Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I am a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He's Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, true or false? Louisville lost that trade with Mississippi State and defensive coordinators last offseason. Uh, it's safe to say they did, especially now that they've gotten rid of theirs. So, Yeah, this this was a disaster. Um we're going to recap my Louisville Cardinals uh, 2017 season. This was a, a bit of a mess. Um, it's it's really something when your returning Heisman quarterback arguably gets better than the year he won the Heisman, and nobody really even wants to put him in a discussion. I mean, I think he got kind of a pity invite to New York, if that's safe to say. Um, Louisville was not great this year. Um, and, and don't let the record fool you. Mike, we had them predicted to go nine and three. They ended up going eight and five, and I think they might have been a little bit lucky to get that far. Um, Louisville had a lot of cracks in the armor, and we saw that early on. And and it really started to get ugly there in the middle of the year before they kind of were able to rebound a little bit towards the end. Yeah, um, up and down season for Louisville. It was Lamar Jackson or bust for most of the year, like you know everybody predicted. Uh, the thing about Louisville this year is the defense really didn't get much better with Todd Grantham leaving, Pierce Sermon coming in. Um, it didn't really go according to plan, I think it's safe to say, uh, especially now that they've moved on from Peter Sermon. Uh, you know, Louisville started out 2-0, and but I think we got an inkling in the opener when they went toe-to-toe with uh, Purdue, which, you know, Purdue turned out to be a fine team this year, uh, in the first year under Jeff Brom, but uh, we kind of knew right then and there that it wasn't the same Louisville team in 2017 that we dealt with in 2016 when, you know, for most, most of the year they were in the college football playoff discussion. Uh, but yeah, up and down, you know, they beat the teams they probably should have beaten with the exception, I guess, of um, uh, really the Boston College game. Uh, but, you know, BC kind of middle of October, that's when everything started to click for them. And that was a tough loss for Louisville. We'll get into those in a second, of course, as well. But yeah, just an up and down year for Louisville. They weren't great. Uh, but, you know, I think it was Lamar Jackson or Buzz for most of the year. Like I think you and I were both expecting. It was. Um, you know, you mentioned the Purdue loss and, and it turns out Purdue was actually a pretty decent team and they started the year off pretty hot. Um, in retrospect, maybe a little more concerning is how close the loss to North Carolina was. Only a 12-point loss to a team that was uh, clearly getting themselves into a rebuild type of situation. Um, I think we both predicted they were going to get rocked by Clemson, and they did. Uh, we both predicted they were going to get beat by NC State, and they did. Um, the Boston College loss was, I think, where you started to really see it. And then as close as Florida State got in the middle of a bad year for them, Wake Forest you know, was clearly a better team than Louisville, which – 2017 what a time to be alive if that's the case right um, this was I don't know I mean how upset can you be about an eight and four season but this was a very clearly incomplete team um, and it, it just it was frustrating to see that you had this uh, sorry my dog is in the room hi Calvin okay. good old Calvin uh, <laughs> it's it's hard to see that you have this generational talent at quarterback and they're struggling to win eight games I mean that's 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 a sign of the times, and it's not not a good sign. Um, Mike, best win, um, probably. I don't even know what it would be at this point. Purdue, like here's a list of teams that Louisville beat: Purdue, 
North Carolina, Kent State, Murray State, Florida State, Virginia, Syracuse, Kentucky. Yeah. What's like the best team of that bunch? Is it Purdue? Uh, I, I mean, the best win is against Purdue. The the win against the most talent, I guess, would be Florida State on the road against a team in the Seminoles. They just completely mailed it in this year. Didn't want to play for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really tough to pick one. I guess the Virginia win looked pretty good because, you know, Virginia was a lot better than both you and I thought. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because a lot of their quote-unquote good wins this year were against teams that you and I expected to be pretty bad. Uh, Purdue, we weren't expecting Louisville to have any trouble with, and they struggled with them for most of the game. North Carolina, we knew wouldn't be good, and they hung in there for the most part uh, against Louisville before Louisville pulled away late. And then, yeah, you got wins over Virginia, Syracuse, and Kentucky, and then that Florida State went in there as well as far as like relevant wins are concerned but yeah it's hard to pick just one but i guess i'll have to go with purdue just because i think purdue was the best team that louisville beat this year it's really interesting that i'm sitting here saying that right now i think you have a point though that florida state obviously the most talented of that bunch and, and to do that on the road is still some something impressive even amidst a bad year for the seminoles but I don't know. This is one of those where, like, I remember in 2015 when Georgia went like nine and three and they were just awful. You know, it's like sometimes you get eight, nine wins and you're not a good team. And I think that was this is the case partially for Louisville this year. They had a couple of really good players that they just totally rode on. And other than that, I mean, most most of the team was not very effective. Um, you can tell that I'm not very enthused about where my Cardinals are at right now in the college football pecking order. Um, toughest loss, big loss to Clemson couple score loss to NC State, uh, the, the nasty home loss to Boston College, the loss at Wake Forest. Honestly, to me, maybe the worst loss was the loss in the bowl game to Mississippi State. Completely um, agree. I think that was a very winnable game. You know, Mississippi State without their head coach, without their defensive coordinator, they'd both moved on to Florida at that point. Uh, they were without their starting quarterback who broke his leg against uh, Ole Miss, and all of that – Still, you couldn't beat Mississippi State. Um, so, I, I don't know. There were there were a few flavors of loss this year for Louisville. Um, Boston College, you know, it was kind of a coming out party when they scored 45 on the Cardinals defense. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I would probably go Mississippi State here, Mike. Yeah, I'd go with the Mississippi State loss in the bowl game as well uh, because Lamar Jackson had four turnovers. It was his last college game. We thought that he'd play a lot better than he actually did. Uh, two touchdowns, four picks in that one. He also fumbled, uh, didn't lose that fumble, but you know, it just really go kind of goes to show you how close they were to um, having a bunch of turnovers in that football game and four is plenty. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's definitely a toughest loss, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, Louisville was in the lead for a decent part of that game as well. And uh, kind of got away from them late. The turnovers really piled up and Lamar Jackson played his arguably one of the worst games of his career, quite honestly. And it ended up being his last game, of course, uh, with him, declaring for the NFL draft so that's got to be the toughest loss and then you know if you had to pick one in the regular season I guess it's the BC game just because that was back and forth as well and Louisville just couldn't put the Eagles away and it came back to bite him in the end yeah by the way if, if the first time you ever watched Lamar Jackson was the uh, tax slayer bowl against Mississippi State first of all my condolences you missed out on a lot of really cool play Second of all, that was not how Lamar Jackson usually plays. He was very off target with a lot of throws, turned the ball over a few times. Um, he was not very effective in that game. And when when Lamar is only average, uh, it was clear that Louisville did not have enough to to kind of play with other pretty good teams.
And that was the lasting impression for college for uh, pro scouts. I'm sorry as well. It's like the last game you're going to see Lamar Jackson in is the bowl game where he throws four picks and he looks inaccurate. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not great for the draft stock. Yeah, no, not ideal. Uh, Mike. All right. Can we let's let's go, you know, talk through a scenario here real quick. All right. So let's say that just hypothetically, you are a college football head coach and your defensive coordinator leaves to go replace the defensive coordinator at another school who has you know fired the previous one. You decide to hire the guy that they fired uh, because he's a good recruiter, which frankly has nothing to do with being a good coordinator. Um, but he's a good recruiter, so you bring him in year one. That doesn't really work. You can tell it's not going to work. It's not working at all. And so he cuts and leaves to go to California, just hypothetically. Mike, what do you what do you do? You got to replace your defensive coordinator. What you know? Who's the first person that comes to mind that you would go hire to fill this role? Anybody but Brian Van Gorder. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that Brian Van Gorder would be pretty low on on your list. Be pretty low on mine too, for what that's worth. He uh, wasn't low on Bobby Petrino's list. He was not low at all on Bobby Petrino's list. And wouldn't you know it, we're doing a special edition of the Brian Van Gorder You Tried Award uh, on this here podcast. Bobby Petrino, you tried to make a decent coordinator hire here, and you failed twice. You hired Peter Sermon, which was a clearly bad idea. And now you're hiring Brian Van Gorder, which – don't get me started here, Mike. This – I. I can't live through another year of this nonsense. This is going to be a disaster. Uh, a disaster for you as a Louisville fan. Great for the podcast, though. We finally have BBG back in the ACC. So now we don't only have the namesake. We have the namesake and him coaching once again in the ACC. Great day for the podcast. Not a great day to be a Louisville fan. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, all is right in the world if BBG is an ACC coordinator again. Uh yeah, I guess your team trades him now to my team. So, neat. Louisville bringing in a new defensive coordinator. It's Brian Van Gorder. We last saw him, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, at Notre Dame, like mid last year, he was fired. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, yeah. And wasn't he like a consultant of some sort or he hopped he on was. with someone else? Uh, yeah. There was this little school up the road in Athens, Georgia, that hired Brian Van Gorder as a consultant before their game against Georgia Tech a game that Georgia Tech would eventually go on to win. So uh, that worked. Yes. Um, whatever. You know, and not to mention that he's been the, the coordinator before against lower-ranked option teams that have still you know, put up a whole bunch of yardage on you know, over-talented units. So that's confidence-inspiring. If you're a Louisville fan, I'm sure um, this is going to be a disaster, Mike. And just not only you know the fact that they're changing to a coach that's kind of proven to not – work all that well long-term, you know, it's kind of a feast or famine deal with Van Gorder. Uh, Can we just talk about 2018 in general? Because not only do they replace the coordinator, but I want you to understand, Mike, here's what they are losing. They're losing a generational talent in Lamar Jackson. Uh, He was their leading passer, rusher, obviously. Um, The entire offense was, you know, based on what he could do. Um, That was, that was it. They lose six of their nine top tacklers on defense, including three of their four best pass rushers, and they lose a top five cornerback to the NFL draft. Uh, I don't know how Louisville survives this. Like, I think 2018 is going to be an absolute mess for Louisville. Um, we, you know, we talk about how teams like Syracuse and NC State have it tough because they're playing Clemson and Florida State and Louisville in this division. I don't think Louisville belongs anywhere near that discussion in 2018. 
Uh, and to be fair, they probably didn't really belong in the discussion this year either. Uh, without Lamar Jackson, this is, uh, you know, I think you and I initially said without Lamar Jackson, this is a six win team. Um, I think it's safe to say that we were wrong in that estimation. I think without Lamar Jackson, this would have been like a four win team, five win team. Maybe the defense was so bad. And now going into next season, defense looks even worse as far as production. They need to, the production that they need to replace and they won't have Lamar Jackson playing quarterback anymore. It's time for the Jawan pass experience. So, mm. yeah, and like Jawan Pass was a pretty decent recruit, but I don't know. I mean, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson, I think it's fair to say. So as a first year starting quarterback, a former highly touted recruit is coming in to replace a former Heisman Trophy winner, which, you know, as we've seen with Kelly Bryant and Clemson replacing Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, it doesn't really equate. And obviously Clemson had the much better defense there in that situation. So for Louisville, yeah, outlook is not good. And I think you're right about their spot in the Atlantic division. Um, I don't think we'll be able to mention them as one of those like top two or three teams in the division heading into next season. I think it's probably Clemson, Florida State, maybe NC State in there. But I think Louisville is quite a ways down the list, especially with Wake Forest returning the, um, you know, the personnel there returning outside of John Wolford. I think they might even be ahead of Louisville at this point. So there are a number mm-hmm. of teams you could put ahead of the Cardinals uh, in the Atlantic hanging for next season, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, you talk about Juwan Pass. Nothing against him, but there is a massive step down to a good quarterback from a generational one. Um, if he's not a guy that can carry the team you know, top to bottom, like it's clear that Louisville doesn't have the other guys around him that are going to be able to kind of support him and create a really successful unit altogether. Um, I agree. I, I do not have high hopes for Louisville next year. Looking at the schedule, Mike, uh, it, for a team that you don't really have high hopes for, how do you ever want to start the season? <laughs> or well, maybe put it differently, what's the one way you don't want to start the season? Probably with the top 10 or 15 matchup. Uh, specifically Alabama. You don't want to start against Alabama. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the show, Jawan Pass. Here's the Crimson Tide. And look, Alabama is replacing a lot of talent of their own on both sides of the football. But as we've seen with Alabama, not only are they replacing a bunch of their production on both sides of the football, but they're replacing a bunch of staff as well. Doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're a machine with Nick Saban. No ma- as long as he's there, it doesn't matter who they have coming back, who they don't have coming back. They'll always figure it out. I'll tell you what, that could be really, really ugly in the opener. Really? Oh, it could. Yeah, very much so. I think I saw somewhere that the opening line was like 30. And that's not an exaggeration. Like literally Alabama is like a 31 point favorite in this game or something like that. And I I would stay away from that. I don't know if Louisville can cover that, especially Um, if two is playing. Yeah, if two is playing with the upside in the passing game against that secondary, which we saw in the bowl game without Jair Alexander, couldn't Mm -hmm. cover anybody. And Mississippi State is such an average passing attack, too. Mm. Uh, yeah, it could get ugly real quick. That's an absolute feasting situation for Alabama. So they start with Alabama on uh, the, the first Saturday of the year and Labor Day weekend. Um, they then home against Indiana State, home against Western Kentucky. Careful there. Uh, Western Kentucky could get a little uh, a little plucky at times, so careful. Uh, at Virginia, home against Florida State, home against Georgia Tech on a Friday night. Uh, I have a bad feeling about that if you're a Louisville fan. Uh, at Boston College, uh, home against Wake Forest, at Clemson, at Syracuse, home against NC State, home against Kentucky. Mike, how many of these games are you like real confident that Louisville can and will win? 
Uh, not many. And you mentioned that Western Kentucky game. Be careful. Um, I agree with you. They sling it around the yard quite a bit. And I'm not sure that with a below average secondary, you want to play a team like Western Kentucky that really just goes into that game having nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm obviously not confident with them going and playing Alabama. Um, as far as the rest of the non-conference schedule is concerned, Indiana State, Western Kentucky, Kentucky, you've got to try at worst to be two and two in that stretch. Um, if you get to three and one, I think you have a decent opportunity to make a bowl game potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you find a way to lose to Alabama, Western Kentucky, and then the season finale game against Kentucky as well, then it's going to be real difficult for them. Uh, so I think if you go three and one in that stretch of non-conference games, I think you have a decent chance. Uh, Virginia is going to be really bad next year. You have that game on the road. Uh, I do think that's winnable. Uh, you have a crucial home game uh, against Wake Forest, which, you know, I think Wake Forest will be better than Louisville next year, but I think that's a game you can win at home at Papa John Stadium. You go on the road to Syracuse, which, you know, we thought Syracuse would be better than they were this year uh, or, or last year even, and Syracuse just really hasn't had the wins to show for it. So I, I do think that's a winnable game. And you only need three if you go three and one in the non-conference schedule. So I think best case scenario, uh, I think this is probably a seven and five team next year. I think worst case scenario is probably a three or four win team. Uh, I, I mean, there's just a non-conference schedule that, you know, presents opportunity if they're able to get a couple wins in conference play. But like they have little to no room for error, uh, especially if they go two and two in the non-conference. I think they're in a lot of trouble. I have no idea where you're finding seven wins on this schedule. I, I'm i looking at this. Yeah, I thought Syracuse is a good opportunity to get one. Friday night in the Carrier Dome? Hell no. Pull out the Sharpie. That is a loss. You ain't winning on Friday night in the Carrier Dome with this Louisville team next year. Uh, I mean, I think best case here, beat Indiana State, beat Western Kentucky, beat Virginia and Charlottesville, beat Kentucky, and somehow maybe you – stumble into beating like a Wake Forest. But I don't I don't know that Louisville is winning more than like two conference games next year. Um there there's not even a there's not a team in the Atlantic that I'm like super confident that they're gonna be able to beat. Um I, I just I'm not seeing it Mike. I, this is like a four and eight season to me. I this is screaming four and eight. They might get better towards the end and you know be able to start especially if the offense starts gelling or something, you know, with Juwan Pass under center, like maybe, but I think this is going to be ugly for a little bit. Yeah, it very and it very well could be. Uh, I think the path to six wins is three and one out of conference, get three wins in the ACC. That's how you get to six. And I think if you get to seven, I think that's obviously on the high end. But I think you just surprise somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you pop in and you beat NC State or. Uh, God, I. I I'm talking myself down this road. And I don't even, <laughs> I don't even really know where that seventh one is. So four and eight, four and eight, mark it down. I yeah, I, I think four and eight and five and seven is probably the the range, like yeah. a, a very like comfortable range for me. I think anything more than that is icing on the cake. I do think six and six is realistic, though. I do um, three wins out of conference, three wins in conference. That's a low bar to set, but that might t- be tough to get, like you mentioned. I just yeah, I just have I have no if they win three games in conference, I have no idea who that is. I mean, I 
in the division that they play in, I just don't think that they're going to be equipped at all to hang with most of these teams. Um, Boston College getting A.J. Dillon back. Um, Wake Forest having to replace John Walford. Who knows what they'll be? But even with a Kendall Hinton, like they were pretty decent uh, on offense. So I don't know. I don't have faith in Louisville. It's, it's pretty obvious. So uh, we, we will see where that goes. Mike, we got to get out of here. we got more teams to recap. Uh, in the meantime, they can come find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, the Overcast app. There's other places you can find us. Go look. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketballconference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. We're getting more Facebook likes, too, which is awesome. Hell yeah, we are. That's very good stuff. Everybody. We got a few reviews and stuff. People giving us five stars. Appreciate that. Very helpful. Uh, please continue. Uh, Mike, they can also find us on YouTube. Uh, we're now posting these videos up on YouTube. We're going to see how those are doing. Um, y'all can come find us. We don't have a special URL or anything, but it is uh, just search for Basketball Conference on YouTube. You'll find our channel where we have uh, videos of these uh, discussions if you ever really want to see what the visuals look like here, which is might throw, a dangerous might throw, endeavor. Yeah, might throw a link up on social media. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, just so, you know, if you guys want to come find us, you can. Yeah, come check it yeah. out. See how the sausage is made. You know, that sort of thing. I, I hate that saying. I don't know why I keep throwing it out there. but that, No, that's pretty much it, though. Yeah, that's that's a good one to use for that case. Yep. Anything else before we get out of here, Mike? I think we're good. We'll talk again soon? Yep. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then... Go ACC.